podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, Do remember to check out A Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, the 3rd of March. Hope you're all having yourselves a pleasant day. We are set for a big weekend in the Premier League. I have Guy with me and we will go through the Premier League games this weekend. But first, we will do the news and the gossip and then we'll bring in Guy. Uh, Big but disturbing news from France, Ashraf Hakimi has been charged with rape. The 24-year-old Moroccan defender has been accused of sexually assaulting a 24-year-old woman. He has denied the charges, but um, 
yeah, this is this is not good at all. Uh, Hakimi is the latest in a string of players, obviously facing these type of allegations. And if he is found to have been guilty, then to jail he should go for a very long time. Uh, simple as that, really. Um, I'm curious to see whether PSG will continue to play him or whether that will be him on the sidelines while this goes on. We know that a Premier League club is currently playing a player who's been accused of multiple counts. Um, It's quite shameful, in my opinion. Uh, We've seen the Benjamin Mendy stuff go on. We've seen the Mason Greenwood stuff. We know that Danny Alves is currently sitting in a prison cell awaiting trial. And this is just, this is just more dirt on the reputation of the game and of players in general, if this is what Hakimi has done. So we'll wait and see. There's no point in making any more comment or speculating. It'll go to court and we'll see what happens. Uh, Gary Neville has agreed to wear an Arsenal shirt saying champions if the Gunners lift the Premier League title this season after making a bet with a fan on social media as he stands firm in his view that Man City will beat them to top spot. I do agree with him that City will beat them to top spot. Uh, I also agree with him on what he had to say about Declan Rice, which was that spending $120 million on Rice would be a very poor move. He's a Neville said a 50 to 60 million player. I would say a 40 to 50 million player. But uh, yeah, so agreeing twice with Gary Neville, you'll all excuse me now if I go and vomit. Eddie Howe makes damning Ryan Fraser Newcastle admission as Scotland Star's commitment is questioned. Um, mentioned last week that it was reported that Fraser was training with the under-21s. There's obviously been a falling out between the, the manager and the player. And Howe has come out and said, Ryan is training with the under-21s. I made the decision to concentrate on the players that are committed to Newcastle for the benefit of the group. I've made that call. My assumption is Fraser wants to leave in the summer. And that is basically Howe's way of saying, you're free to leave, but you're not going to play again. Um, it does report here as well that they fell out when Fraser was at Bournemouth and was running down his contract and refused to play during a relegation battle because he wanted to secure a move elsewhere. Um, I definitely didn't agree with him then, and I don't agree with him now either. But I think Howe could potentially have handled it with a little more kid gloves. Uh, Roberto Firmino makes stunning decision on Liverpool future. It's decided. Uh, Florian Plettenberg has reported that Roberto Firmino will leave Liverpool at the end of the season. I have discussed that on the Daily Red, and I think it is the right decision for him and for the club. Uh, Newcastle takeover. Eddie Howe speaks as Premier League told to re-examine the PIF-led deal. There's nothing the Premier League can really do now, uh, given PIF own Newcastle Football Club, but, but, 
The Premier League approved the, prim- the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia-led takeover in October 2021 after receiving legally binding assurances that the Gulf state would not control the football club. However, in a US court hearing this week, the Magpies non-executive chairman, Yazir al-Rumian, has been described as a sitting minister in the Saudi government with sovereign immunity, which most likely goes against the terms of the agreement that they have with the Premier League. Amnesty International have now called for the Premier League to relaunch or to launch a re-examination of their ownership. PIF own 80% of Newcastle. Uh, PCP Partners own 10%. And Orbi Sports and Media own a 10%. I think Orbi is the... Is that the... Ruben? Is that them? One of them is the Rubens and one of them... Ruben Brothers, yeah. That's them. And I assume PCP is Amanda Staveley. Um... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens here. Uh, Mikel Arteta has confirmed that Gabriel Jesus is not far away from an Arsenal return amid Europa League hopes. Uh, He obviously has been out now for a number of months and the hope for Arsenal will be that he'll be back on the pitch in the next couple of weeks. Their season is about to get much more intense with the Europa League coming back as well. Patrick Vieira makes Wolf Zaha decision ahead of Aston Villa clash. Uh, Zaha is set to return from injury. He will be included in the match day squad. He's been out for four or five games now. Um, and he's been a big loss to them because obviously he is still their, their very best player. Uh, on the BBC website, there's a really good profile about Will Still. There's also um, a video and an interview that comes with it. Will Will Still, or William Still, but Will Still, is the manager of Stad Reims and is 30 years of age and is doing a phenomenal job. Um, he is Belgian-born to English parents. The BBC try and claim him as an Englishman, but he's only lived in England for one year of his life. And that came at the age of 19. So I'm not really sure you can claim him all that much. He might have been there two years. Uh, he worked at Preston. Um, he's done an amazing job since taking over at Reims. He really has. 18 games, nine wins, eight draws, one defeat. Took over in October. Their season was going in the wrong direction. They'd won, I think, one game before he took over. Yeah. They'd won one of ten before he took over. And his only defeat came in the Cup. They're unbeaten in the league since he took over. And he's done an outstanding job. Um, He's taken them from 15th now, they're 10th at the moment. It's not like they're on the brink of a top four finish, but considering the budgetary restrictions and that, it's still very impressive. And they're not all that far off a spot in the uh, Europa Conference League. If they continue this form, it's very possible. 
But the fact that he's made them near impossible to beat, they've got one of the best defensive records in the league. And they're scoring at a decent clip, but again, there's restrictions there on what they're going to be able to do. That piece is well worth reading, that that interview is well worth listening to. Uh, and that's a name worth keeping an eye on because I think he could be set for big things. Uh, Man United have overtaken Liverpool on the pitch, says Nicky. But seem to remember we heard all this a couple of years ago as well. Back in 2020, we heard all this. Not really sure it's true, Nicky. I know you're a little bit biased, but not really sure it's true. Let's do the gossip. Real Madrid will evaluate the long-term futures of Luka Modric and Tony Cruz before committing to a move for Jude Bellingham, who has been urged to reject a switch to Liverpool. Real Madrid are also keeping tabs on Bruno Gimerich. I think Gimerich makes sense as a Tony Cruz replacement. They missed out on Enzo Fernandez. I think Gimerich is kind of the next port of call. Liverpool will be front runners to sign Mason Mount if he is unable to agree a new deal at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea have renewed their interest in Josco Guardiol. Uh, Manchester City and Tottenham are also keen on the player who has a 97 million release clause that comes into effect in 2024. Uh, my guess would be he's staying at Leipzig until 2024. Um, it doesn't make any sense for Chelsea. He's really, really good, obviously. But they've got Baddy Ashile, who they've just signed, and they've got Levi Colwell. There's no reason for them to look to bring in another centre-back. They've got Humphreys and Young Bashir. Is it Bashir Humphreys? Is that his name, the youngster? They've also obviously got Chalaba, and they've got Fafana. So there's five young centre-backs, plus you've still got Koulibaly and Thiago Silva. A centre-back is not what they need. The only thing Chelsea need this summer is a ball-winning midfielder. Florentino Luis or someone like that. Other than that, don't do a thing. If Mount leaves, maybe look to bring in a forward. But other than that, just give Potter time to work with the squad. We might launch into a bit of Chelsea, uh, not next week because I won't be here, but the following week. Uh, Inter Milan are hoping to sign Naby Keita this summer. Loads of top clubs interested in Naby, not surprising. Barcelona could sell some of their biggest stars as the club look to raise £178 million, with Rafinha among those who could be offloaded. Hasim Auer's move to Eintracht Frankfurt is getting closer. I think that's a good move for him. Manchester United have joined Chelsea and Arsenal in keeping tabs on Romeo Lavia. I think if he's going to leave Southampton, I think I think City will just buy him back. Uh, Tottenham are eyeing a summer move for Alex Scott. He's a big talent as well. Leicester and Everton are eyeing, or monitoring rather, Bologna's Scottish midfielder Lewis Ferguson, formerly of Aberdeen. Very talented player. Nottingham Forest face a fight to hold on to boss Steve Cooper with a number of Premier League clubs impressed by the manager. Hmm. That's interesting. If we have a quick look at the Premier League, who's likely to 
change manager. Won't be Arsenal, won't be City, won't be United. Tottenham could. I don't think Cooper's ready for that kind of job. I think he's quite far from ready. Uh, Won't be Newcastle, won't be Liverpool, won't be Fulham, won't be Brighton, won't be Brentford. See, the Brighton and Brentford managers would be, I think, ahead of Cooper if one of the top clubs was looking to change manager. Uh, he Chelsea would be a disaster. Villa won't change manager. Uh, Palace, I don't think, will either. Leicester might. I think the one they want is Graham Potter if Chelsea are stupid and let him go. Um, but Leicester's one who could. Wolves won't. West Ham could. Leeds will look for a permanent manager in the summer, and that might be where Cooper ends up. Everton won't change. Uh, Bournemouth will likely be in the championship, so I don't think he's going to take a step down. Southampton will look for a permanent manager, but again, they they could well be in the championship. So it won't be there. So I think you're looking at Leicester, Leeds, and West Ham. And again, any of them could go down. As could Forrest, to be fair. So yeah, I mean, I can see clubs having interest in him, for sure. He's very, very good. But if I was him, I think I'd stay at Pal- at Forrest over any of them. I understand that there might be more money on offer, but I would say he, he, like Potter, has had to deal with basically been thrown an entirely new team. I think he's dealt with it a lot better than Potter because I think he's got more experience dealing with it. Uh, the way he worked with England, the way he worked at Swansea, where they had a lot of loan players in, the fact that he took over last season, a couple of months into the season, turned things around with a group of players that weren't his own. I do think he's better suited to that kind of turnover, but I'd like to see what he could do with a settled squad and maybe one or two additions in the summer. Negotiations are ongoing between Manchester United and David De Gea over a new contract. Manchester United have have received loan offers from clubs in Turkey for Mason Greenwood. Um, my assumption is his career in England is over, and that he'll go abroad. I could see, I could see a situation in which he goes abroad for a couple of years and then maybe comes back. Like the thing is, he's having a child with the girl that he committed these crimes against. And it's worth remembering that part of his, part of his bail um, stipulations was that he stayed away from her. Well, he clearly didn't. So he violated the terms of his bail. He should be facing punishment for that, but obviously not. Uh, Fulham want to make their their loan move for Manor Solomon permanent. Makes sense. He's he's doing really really well. I liked that when he got hurt, they didn't send him back. They kept him and kept faith in him and gave him time. I think that's a really good thing that we don't see often enough. Napoli remain confident of keeping Kavicic Kavalachkelia despite interest from Man City, Chelsea, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. So only Man City makes sense in that list. Chelsea, they bought Mudrik. They don't need another left winger. They've got loads of wingers at the club. Real Madrid have Vinicius. Uh, Barcelona have no money at all. City would make sense. 
But, I mean, they spent $100 million on Jack Grealish, who plays that same position. They also have Phil Foden. You could switch Foden to the right, and a Foden, Haaland, Kvaratskhelia front three would be something pretty special. But I, I think he's just better off staying in Napoli. Him and Osimian have an unbelievable partnership. They're the best attacking tandem in, in Europe right now. I think he's best off staying there. I think Napoli are best off keeping the pair of them. Uh, we will take a break. And when we come back, we will be joined by Mr. Drinkle. And we will preview and guess the scores, and guess them wrong, of course, on this weekend's Premier League game. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, we're joined by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? Football. Yeah, football. And we're, we're, we we won a game the other day. Slightly so more positive football. <laughs> yeah, more positive, more more hope. It's the hope that kills you, though. It really is the hope that kills you. But we, have, we have a full slate of Premier League games this weekend, which is quite exciting. Um, it is. None of this League Cup nonsense. No League Cup nonsense. No FA Cup nonsense. And I love the FA Cup. But... We're getting into the business end of the season. We're a couple of games short of the real action kicking off and teams soiling themselves left and right. Now, in fairness, some teams have been doing that all season, but it becomes funnier in the last 10 games. So, what have we got this weekend? Yeah, so we're starting off uh, Saturday this this weekend uh, at half twelve of seat, and we have Man City Newcastle. Obviously, the reverse fixture was probably the game of the season so far, which was mental. Um, but it feels different because even back then, I think Man City attack was terrifying because Erling Haaland was doing scary things, and Newcastle uh, that was probably at the midst of Almiron being the best player in the world, and it feels like. Both of them things aren't really true anymore. Obviously, Haaland's still terrifying, but I don't think he's that terrifying as he was. Mm. Um, And Newcastle don't do goals anymore. No, Newcastle have given up on the idea of scoring goals, which is a a unique approach to football. Um, Newcastle will have Nick Pope back from his suspension, which is a plus. Gamerish has a knock, but should be okay. Uh, No Ryan Fraser because he's not allowed to play anymore. Um, because he's an under-21 player now. And Emil Kraft is out for the season. So the turn will be pretty close to full strength. So that's that's a good thing for them. Uh, City have doubts over Americ Laporte and John Stones, but they're hopeful that both will be okay to go. Stefan Ortega is out, but he's the backup keeper, so it's not really an issue. Um, form-wise, City have won three of their last four. Of course, they did drop points uh, against Nottingham Forest, which was a, a bad result for them. Newcastle have no wins in four, only one win in the last, I think, six or seven games, and lost the last two games to Liverpool in the league and then United in the League Cup. Um, it's hard to look beyond City. And at this point, City really need to start finding consistency because... They're five points behind Arsenal with the same number of games played. And Arsenal have the closest thing to a guaranteed three points this weekend. So City need to win this game. I think they will win this game. I'm going to go for a 3-1 Man City victory. 
Yeah, one surprise, as we said, Newcastle um, given up the goals and even the defence has looked a bit sloppy recently as well, which is never a good sign. But next up, we have the other half of the title race, and that is Arsenal against Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth got tonked last weekend by Man City. Uh, I didn't even watch the highlights, because who could be bothered? <laughs> um, but they did beat Wolves the weekend previous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to judge Bournemouth, because they were fun. Um, since the new signings have come in, but you'd have to just say Arsenal should win this quite comfortably, surely. Yeah, and I think Arsenal will want to win it in a similar manner to how they beat Everton and to how Man City went and beat Bournemouth. I think they'll want to, you know, put down a bit of a marker for for everybody. Um, Jesus is working his way back. He's still a couple of weeks away. Eddie Nketiah is a doubt. There's belief that Jorginho will recover fully from his illness, so he's fine. And El Nenny's obviously out for the season. Now, no Jesus, no Enketia is an issue, but they've got Trossard, he's playing quite well. And you assume he'd start as the nine again. Uh, the issue obviously is if, if he doesn't perform or if he gets hurt, who is there? That could be where they have a bit of trouble, but Sack is in great form. Martinelli's in great form. Odegaard's in great form. So there are goals in the team. Bournemouth, loads of injuries. Obviously, David Brooks, they're just very slowly bringing him back. As I said earlier, I said a couple of weeks ago, if he gets a minute on the pitch this season, it's a massive win for everybody, uh, considering what he's overcome. Uh, Lloyd Kelly is still a little bit away with a calf injury. Uh, Ilya Zabarni, the January signing they brought in to fix the defence, has an ankle issue. He's still out for the couple of weeks. Uh, Marcus Tavanier or Tavanier, Tavanier, Tavanier. Uh, he's out for another week or so. Lewis Cook is back. That's a big plus. Junior Stanislas and Matthias Vigne are both out and out indefinitely. Um, so we'll wait and see how long they take. Uh, there's no real point in getting too deep on this. Arsenal are going to win, and they should win comfortably. I'm going to say 5-0 to the Gunners. Oof. I think Bournemouth, they're awful. They're yeah. awful. Def- they can't defend at all. And the they're be- like the, the, the two best defenders at the club are Zabarni and Lloyd Kelly, and they're both out. So with, with that being the case, I, I just don't see how they can get anything from a trip to the Emirates with an Arsenal team that looked fairly rampant against Everton for stages. Yeah, it does feel like they're almost in that Burnley situation where they need a, another go in the championship then come back up, which they kind of did already, but go again uh, and get the manager right as well. But anyway, we will not get stuck in Bournemouth. Um, Villa against Palace, probably the most meh. <laughs> in, the, in the Premiership at the min. Don't know why I said Premiership. I am not from the 90s. Premier League. Um, I mean, the only interesting thing is that Aston Villa could put Chelsea in the bottom half of the table. That's about yeah, it. Potentially. Potentially, if results go right. Um, Villa, no Coutinho. Robin Olsen's a doubt. Diego Carlos is close to fitness, but probably not ready for this weekend. And Jed Steer is out. Um, so, in fairness... No no starters are missing. Carlos probably becomes a starter when he gets fit, but he's still, even when he's back in the squad, it's going to take him a bit of time to get back up to full fitness. 
Uh, Palace have Zaha back, which is huge. Nathan Ferguson is working his way back. He's played recently for the other 21s. He's been training. So they're happy with where he is, but he's still not ready to play. And obviously Sam Johnston's been out most of the season with a variety of injuries, and this one's going to keep him out till April. So what a disaster of a season for him. Um, Villa are a weird team. Their home form has been quite poor under Emery, and their away form has been quite good. Palace are just kind of grinding their way along and getting a lot of draws, and that makes me want to pick a draw. So I'm going to go 1-1. Yep, that sounds like the safest bet of the weekend. So one of them's winning five nil. Um, Brighton against West Ham. I mean, in previous years, this has probably would have been a good marker for Brighton's progress as a team looking to maybe sneak into Europe, which it seems to um, happen this season. Whereas West Ham now are just awful. Um, but rolls flipped here. I mean, is it a good chance for West Ham to show if they've? improved any but I mean the cup game in midweek was was horrid from them as well mm. um, it's, any point is a good point for West Ham at the minute which is a really weird situation for them yeah they're the most disappointing team this season because I mean two European finishes the last two years and now this and obviously if results go against them this weekend they could easily find themselves in the bottom three again which do, uh, do, no, seen- no one predicted We've seen similar with Leicester fall. Do you think it's just these teams just aren't used to Europe? Or it's just a win? Possibly. One? Yeah, it is possibly. Um, I also just think Moyes has done quite a poor job this season in terms of integrating the new players. They've been unfortunate with injuries. Like, Agard's missed a lot of the season. Skamak has missed a bunch of games. Cornet has missed chunks of the season. But, I mean, Declan Rice and Jared Bowen were the two players that have been consistent performers for the last couple of years and they've both been dreadful this season. Yeah. Um so you know they they really need both of them to step up and actually show that they care. Rice for me looks like a lad who wants to be elsewhere and that's just not a good sign for West Ham. Um they're not helped by the fact that Suchek has turned into a corpse. Sufal has had a big drop off. Obviously Zoom has had injuries as well. So there's just been there's been a lot of different factors, but I I would lay a lot of the blame at the at the feet of David Moyes for this season, which is a shame because he'd done brilliantly the last two years, the last two and a half years. Came in, kept them up when they looked like they were going down, turned them around completely, got them into Europe, had that good run in Europe last season, got them into Europe again for this season, and they're doing well in Europe this year and they're a mess in the league. Brighton I, I love this team. I, I think they're fantastic. I, there's so many good players there. Uh, going into this weekend, though, they have a number of injury issues. Uh, Jakob Motor, they had hoped he'd be back um, this month, but it looks now like it'll be mid-April, which is, is tough. Uh, Levi Colwell is still a little bit away. But Billy Gilmore, Purvis Estupin and Solly March, while doubts, they're hopeful they'll be okay to play. Adam Lalana is out and may be out for the the season, um, which you know is is very Adam Lalana. Uh, for West Ham, Zoom is a major doubt. Cornet is still out and likely to miss this one, and Sufal is a doubt. Fabianski is out with a fractured cheekbone and eye socket. 
So we, we might not see him again this season. And to be honest, Ariola's the better goalkeeper, so that could prove to be a good thing for West Ham. This game will be won in midfield. Uh, Caicedo absolutely dominated the midfield the last time these teams played when Brighton won 2-0 at the city at the London Stadium. I think Brighton will win this game again. I, I think Caicedo and Alexis will have too much in midfield for Rice and Suchek. I'm going to go 2-0 again. 2-0 to Brighton. Yeah, it's just if Brighton score, that's always the question, isn't it? Um, moving on then, probably one of the more interesting games, especially on the Saturday, is Chelsea against Leeds. I mean, last week I made the very stupid statement that I'd probably rather be in Southampton situation than Leeds, and then Southampton lost to Grimsby. <laughs> um, so that was a bad one for me. But Chelsea, we talk about them every week. They are dreadful, um, mess of a club, mm. yada, yada, yada. Leeds, uh, they won in the cup, didn't they? Pretty sure they did. They did. They no, they lost to Fulham. Oh, lost to Fulham. Oh, they're lost still bad then. But they did win. They did beat Southampton in the relegation six point last weekend. Um, any momentum to bring out of that? Because I, again, I don't watch the highlights from that game. Um, I think the Liverpool game just broke all one to football last weekend for me. Um, but no, this. A good opportunity for Chelsea, but also a good opportunity for Leeds because both teams are struggling. They are, but both teams have a lot of injuries as well. So with Leeds, Rodrigo's out, Adam Forshaw's out, not an issue. Struyk is a major doubt um, because he's had a concussion. Sinistera is a doubt. He's got a muscle injury. Liam Cooper's out and Stuart Dallas is out. Obviously, he's had that horrendous injury and he's had to have a second surgery. Uh, but Chelsea have Chelsea have basically a full team out. Uh, Brogia done for the season. Silva out till mid-April. Pulisic out for another couple of weeks. Kante out for another couple of weeks. Mason Mount is a doubt. Kovacic is back, which is a plus. Reese James is a doubt. Aspilicueta is a doubt. And Eduard Mendy is still out. Um, a fractured finger that he broke in, I think, at the World Cup or something, and he's still out. So a mm. lot of injuries there for, for both sides, really. Um, this is must win for Chelsea, though. Must win. No wins in their last five. Back-to-back defeats. Pressure mounting on Graham Potter. More defeats than victories in the Premier League this season. Eight wins, seven draws, nine defeats. That's unacceptable. Negative goal differential through 24 games unacceptable only scored 25 uh, 20 sorry only scored 23 goals this season in the premier league in 24 games that is absolutely shocking from chelsea now defensively they've got i think the third best defense in the league but a lot of that is because they're playing quite negative dull football um it's hard to see leeds getting anything it really is I- i'm going to go for the home win I've no faith in Chelsea, but I'm going to go for the home win. I'll say 1-0 to Chelsea. I reckon Leeds will win, though. And I reckon Potter may get sacked. Um, But that will be for Monday's podcast. If Potter gets sacked, I reckon Rodgers is gone within a fortnight. And Potter's the new Leicester manager. Just wait till the end of the season, I reckon, because Leicester aren't going anywhere. Yeah, but they want Rodgers gone. That's the thing. They want Rogers out. True. The players have had enough. The fans have had enough. 
I think they'll sack Rodgers. And the the comedy of it all would be if Rodgers could get himself in a room with Bowley, two, <laughs> two of the biggest spoofers on the planet. Rodgers would be getting himself a 10-year contract. He Maybe just, it's like two negatives equals a positive, so he just becomes perfect. <laughs> imagine, yeah, just like some sort of super manager, like, like yeah. Guardiola crossed with Klopp, crossed with um, Ferguson. With the craziness of Louis van Gaal. <laughs> he's the best manager of all time. That would be hilarious. But yeah, I, I think if, if Potter gets sacked, I reckon he's at Leicester within a fortnight. The thing is, it won't even just be Leicester, so there'll be plenty of other teams considering it, you'd think. Oh well. yeah, West Ham probably would look at it as well. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Even who else looking for manager Southampton? They could easily just appoint him. <laughs> it's just yeah, Leeds could yeah. do the same. They're the, their guys only on a six month deal. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's probably the most intriguing one, just because both teams are struggling. But Wolves against Spurs. I mean, Wolves. Didn't really turn up too much against Liverpool midweek. Not in the greatest form in the Premier League as well, but a good draw with Fulham, to be fair. But losing to Bournemouth and losing to the struggling Liverpool side's not great. Two wins before that, to be fair. Um, but Spurs, possibly the most unpredictable team in the league. Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get. From from one game to the next, you just have no idea what Spurs... Right. Out of the last five, they've won four in the Premier League and lost to Leicester heavily of all teams. Yeah, got hammered by Leicester and then lost to Sheffield United in the FA Cup. A know. weird team. Just very, very strange. No Basuma, no Lloris, no Cessnion, no Bentoncourt and Emerson Royale is a doubt. But obviously they have Pedro Poro, who's going to have to start getting... Uh, more regular minutes soon. They, they didn't spend, well, they've committed to spending 40 million on him. Um, so that needs to start working. Um, Wolves have loads of injuries. They have no Kalasic, no Chiquinho, no Huang, no Hugo Bueno. Uh, Matthias Cunha is a doubt. And Bubakar Traore is most likely to miss out as well. Losing to Bournemouth at home was unforgivable for Wolves. That's an absolute shocker. That was that was three points they really needed and three points that would have made a huge difference. Like if they'd won that game as they should have, they would currently be sitting uh, level on points with Crystal Palace mm. and they'd have far less to worry about. Right now, they're still very much in the relegation mix. Though they are, I think they should be fine. Um Wolves are at home. Spurs are weird. Oh, we'll go a draw. We'll go 1-1. Did you see... I, I, was, I don't know if it was some stupid thing I saw on TikTok, but did you see the thing where they've not won a game with Son playing in a while? I did. Is he, I did. Is he he's the been, issue? He's been dreadful this season. He really has been dreadful this season, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he moved on in the summer. I think he could go somewhere else and have a resurgence. I don't think he's washed, but he is having a dreadful season. He does kind of smell a bit of late Bayern Munich courier, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Just go there, and I think he'd do really well, to be fair. Like, he is a tremendous player. I I think he could go to another league and do really well. Son has a nine in front of Corman. Uh, Musiala, Musiala. Musiala and Sane. That could be fun. That'd be nice. That'd and be then nice. you've got Mane, to, Mane and Nabry to rotate through as well. Chupa Motting being better than them all, obviously. 
No, that's well, of course, <laughs> this would be the team with, with Trooper out. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I could definitely see him. I could even see him going to like Juventus and doing really, really well there. Um, I could see him at Milan or, or Inter and do uh, and be outstanding, isn't it? Really, but yeah, I think he just needs he needs a change of scenery. I think he's been there a long time. Yeah, especially in modern football terms. But it'll be interesting to see if he starts again because I think Conte is back as well, isn't he? Um, but moving on to, uh, again, probably another relegation six-point. Where are Leicester? Yep, I'd still call it a relegation six-point. Yeah. Southampton, who... It's, uh, what, a, what a week. Um, against Leicester, who just can't defend, and that still remains the case. But again, it's a good opportunity for Southampton, but Barra, Ward-Prowse free kick and defending for their lives like they did in that one. Who did they beat? Chelsea. Chelsea. Of course it was Chelsea. Of course it was Chelsea. But mm. bar a moment of magic and defending for your lives, there didn't seem, doesn't seem to be anything there. No, it's very weird. The, the big target man they bought is not being used as a big target man. He's dropping off and trying to involve himself in the play. And while that might be part of his game, what they need right now is someone that they can play through. Um, they, I think there'll be goals in this game because neither of these teams can defend all that well. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a Southampton win because the Leicester I saw. Well, no, look, both both of them went out of the cup in upsets, but Leicester looked fed up. Southampton really tried to get back into that. I thought the manager just made some poor decisions. Um, I'm going to go for a Southampton win, but I'm going to go like 3-2 to Southampton. I think there'll be goals because neither of these teams are any good defensively. So mm. we'll go 3-2 Southampton. I still want to see Southampton play because I've not really had a chance to see Sulemana, for example, who by all accounts is really fun. So I want to watch that. And Leicester never in a boring game, really. No. Uh, Apart from that FA Cup game where it was horrendous. but And like, if we look at the injuries for this weekend, how are we fixed? Southampton, uh, no Larius, Che Adams is back, Salisu's maybe back, Livermento still out, uh, Leicester, no James Justin, no Thielemans, Johnny Evans still out, Ryan Bertrand still out, James Madison is back. So if they've got Madison and Barnes... Oh, they'll probably they, win then. <laughs> they're going to be fun. Um, yeah. I'll, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go three-two Southampton. It is weird. I know James Madison, excellent footballer, but he seems to make them even like more competent defensively, which is very yeah, strange. That's the thing. Maybe just the threat of him makes them not attack as much. Anywho, uh, moving on to Sunday. Then that game was obviously in at half five. I should have mentioned uh, on to Sunday. Then uh, first question, Dave: Why is Nottingham Forest against Everton on TV <laughs> on Super Sunday? I should add. Oh, who knows? This this is a shocker. They've had an absolute mare with this one. Like, City Newcastle on TV, absolutely. Southampton Leicester on TV, yeah, because it, it should be a fun game. But surely to God, there was a better game for the 2 p.m. kickoff on a Sunday. Like, Brighton West Ham would have been a better game for this slot. I have a and theory. You, go on. The F1 is back, so they want people to go watch that instead. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. So, yeah. Put on a game no one cares about. Yeah, exactly. Um, Forrest, I'm sure, have everybody out, but let's start with Everton. No Townsend. Calvert-Lewin, still a major doubt. 
Uh, James Garner should be back. And Nathan Patterson still a doubt. Uh, Nottingham Forest, 10 injuries. No Willie Bolly, no Scott McKenna, no Serge Aurier, no Teo Awani. Unlikely to have Mia Kata, unlikely to have Dean Henderson. Ryan Yates, they're hopeful he'll be back. Bianconos definitely out. Richards is definitely out. And Czech Koyate definitely out. I mean, that is really, really hard to overcome having 10 players potentially missing. Luckily for Forrest, they've got about 80 players in their squad, so they should be okay. Um, Forrest have had a dip here with two defeats in their last three, but in between defeats to Fulham and West Ham, they did draw with Man City at home, and their home form has been okay. Before the draw with City, they beat Leeds at home, um, which which was a good result. Before that, they they beat Leicester at home. Before that, they drew at home with Chelsea. So, and before that, before the World Cup break, they beat uh, Palace and Spurs, though the Spurs game was a cup game. So their home form has been all right, actually. Before that, they, they drew with Brentford. They beat Liverpool. Their home form's actually been good. Beat Villa. I could be wrong about this, but I think the last time they lost at home in the league, was to Fulham in September. Now I could be wrong about that. Let me just let me just double check that. Nottingham. Not that it's all that relevant, but still. I think their home form is pretty good. And while whilst you're typing me, if they be, if they win this, they go seven points above Everton. And we've already predicted South not Southampton, we predict Bournemouth to lose, so that's a team below them further and whatever happens in the Southampton game, seven points between Everton who are eighteenth. It's not confirmed safety, but it's not far off confirmed. Not far off. They lost at home to Spurs in August in the league, to Bournemouth in a game they should have won, and then to Fulham. And they haven't lost at home since the 16th of September. <coughs> which is a do to stay up. It, exactly. You've got to win your home games. So I'm going to say that Forest will get at least a draw here. Everton's away form, I think, has been... Overly putrid, so let's have a quick gander at that. Uh, Premier League. Everton's away form. Uh, One win all season away from home. That was at Southampton back in October. Seven defeats. I'm going to go for a Forest win 2-1. Interestingly, with that bad record, Everton would be 17th on their away record. (laughs) So the Forest, Leeds and West Ham are all worse away from home. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, that it, I don't know. It's an interesting game. I don't think it'll be a fun game by any means. But moving on to, I was going to say, the last game, the second last game, because we got a Monday game. We have the big one. We have Liverpool, Man United, Dave. Obviously, Liverpool, much better at home. And against Wolves, anyway, they look much more competent. But there's still many question marks about Liverpool. Will he revert back to John Henderson? Is probably the main question, which he probably will, let's be honest. And Man United have been good um, recently. Mm. Um, but it is a lot of games for Man United. Obviously, the squad has been stretched. I mean, is there any threat of just a bit too much running in the legs of, say, Casemiro, although he gets rests when he gets sent off, obviously? But, um, yeah, it is, a, it is a huge game, but I think quite a lot will depend on the this is 
a proper Michael Owens team. A lot, a lot of it depend on the starting eleven, Steve. Yeah, a hundred percent. Look, I, I think Liverpool win this game if Henderson doesn't start. If if he doesn't start, I think Liverpool win this game three one. Liverpool have no Ramsey, no Diaz, no Alcantara, no Gomez, no Cater, um, and maybe no Arthur. But I mean, he's, he's been a non-factor all season, so it doesn't matter. United have no Donny Van de Beek, no Christian Eriksen. Luke Shaw is a doubt. Sancho is a doubt. Sancho's ill. He should be okay. Um, Martial is out, and obviously Greenwood is out. I think Liverpool win this game if Henderson doesn't start because Liverpool are a much better team when he's not in the team. And I think if Klopp goes with something similar to what he played against Wolves, I would play Gakpo over Jota and I'd probably leave the rest the same, though I would understand if he brings Robertson back in for Costa Simicus. But I think the midfield that started against Wolves has to be the midfield until Thiago comes back. So if if Henderson doesn't start, I will say 3-1 to Liverpool. If Henderson does start, I'll go for a draw. A 2-2 draw. Yeah, it is. It is annoying that, well, certain players make such a big difference in confidence, but that's where we're at. Um, Well, if you want a more in-depth preview, obviously Dave uh, has done that over on AI for AI Scout as well. Uh, moving on to Monday then, Dave, we have a London derby, Brentford against Fulham. Two hipster teams? Yeah, very much off. so. Yeah. Very much so. And two top half teams, seventh placed Fulham, ninth placed Brentford. I think this is a good game. I'm glad it's on TV. Uh, Fulham, Joe Polinia is suspended, so that's a huge blow. He's been immense for them in midfield. But he has already picked up 10 yellow cards. That's a two-week ban. So that's a, that's a disappointment for them. Uh, Tom Carney's out, Cabano's out, and Kurzawa's out. For Brentford, Strakosha, not quite ready yet. Onyeka should be back, and Pontus Janssen should be back. <clears throat> Given that Brentford are at home, and their home form has been really good, and they've been really hard to beat home and away this season, I'm going to go for the Brentford win, but I think it'll be a tight game. I'll go 2-1 to Brentford. And that was the last game. That was the last game. Now, this is also the last podcast for a little while. I won't be here at all next week. And the following week, it's going to be, we're going to have to play it by ear. So, um, definitely won't be here next week. The following week, I'm hopeful to be back Monday or the Tuesday, but it could push a little bit further into that that week, but uh, I will be back. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just have some things I need to take care of. Um, so yeah, that's basically the situation. That's why there will be no pod next week. But I'll be back when I'm back, and then we'll we'll get going to the end of the season. Uh, so yeah, thank you as always for listening. Enjoy your weekends. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Podcast Network.